Good morning. Welcome to Grace Point Church. We are so glad that you are here with us today. Um, again, as I say every week, uh, in this coronavirus era where we're separated from one another, um, I sure do appreciate you all checking in with me. It helps me to, to remember um, uh, who's with us and, and who's participating. helps me to keep you all in my prayers and thoughts and just to feel connected uh, for those of you that are playing it safe and, and staying, uh, keeping your distance uh, just through this, this season, uh, hopefully, prayerfully, that we are coming to the tail end of it. Um, but please, you know, leave a comment, send an email, send a note to the church, just kind of check in and let, let us know how you're doing, how we can pray for you. Uh, it very much is, is an encouragement, and it helps me uh, as I preach to the camera, to to remember just the people that are that are with us here, and so I really do appreciate those of you who have checked in, who have called, texted, emailed, left a note in the comment section of the video. However, you're watching, whether Facebook or YouTube, uh, it just it really does help us to stay connected to one another. I do want to thank John Johnson for preaching last week. He did a wonderful job and just a huge blessing. To me, as Anna was gone in Pittsburgh, and then on Sunday to be able to sit at church with Anna on Sunday was a huge blessing uh, for me personally. All right, so today we're concluding First Thessalonians. So if you have your Bibles, please open up to First Thessalonians chapter five. We're in the last little section. Um, we are uh, next week. We're going to sort of look at the, at the Christmas story and do Christmas carols and that sort of thing for our worship, and we'll focus on the birth of Christ. Uh, the next week, which is the last Sunday of the year, we're going to, I don't know exactly the passage, probably Ephesians chapter 5, um, about making the most of your time. I think that we're going to just sort of focus on uh, taking communion and the Lord's Supper and just sort of talking through that and what does it mean. And so just if you're staying at home and you'd like to participate in communion, uh, you have two weeks to to prepare for it, so just you know be ready and and to take communion. If you want to swing by the church, uh, just reach out to Melanie. We have we have the little communion juices here, so if you'd like some, you can make some arrangements uh, for for Melanie to to come down and and pick them up for Melanie. If you'd like to participate, all right. Oh, and for the Christmas thing, I think I'm going to wear my my best Christmas outfit. And so if you have your you know, if you're doing it at home, get dressed up in your favorite Christmas sweater. Or if you're going to join us for church, we invite you to wear your your uh, your favorite uh, Christmas sweater or jacket or whatever you have to, to participate. So we encourage you to, to, to do that, uh, just to enjoy the day. So with that, let's pray, and we'll look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 23 through 28, a short section, and it's the conclusion. And so we'll go through this uh, we'll see how long it takes us to get through it, but it's it's, sure, it's certainly not a lot of text and is not really complicated text. So let's pray, and uh, we'll look at the Word. Father, we do thank you, Lord, uh, for this time that we have with one another. Father, we thank you for the gift of technology, which allows us to, uh, for those of us that are that are staying away, Lord, for uh, for health reasons, we thank you that we do have this capacity, Lord, that we've adapted and to be able to share the worship and the sermon uh, through video that we can stay connected with one another. We thank you for your word, and we ask, Lord, that your spirit would lead us today as we 
uh, read through this passage, as we study the passage, we ask that you would be glorified uh, in our time together today. We ask that you would draw us close to you, Lord, that we would um, just be more yielded to you in our lives, that we would surrender to you, that we would give ourselves to you, and that you would have your way in our lives. We pray, Lord, as this text uh, says, um, that you would do the work, the process of sanctification, that we would be uh, become more like Christ, and that we would be set apart for him in this life that you've called us to. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. All right, so 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23. <clears throat> now may the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely, and may your spirit and soul and body be preserved complete without blame at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Faithful is he who calls you, and he also will bring it to pass. Brethren, pray for us. Greet all the brethren with a holy kiss. I adjure you by the Lord to have this letter read to all the brethren. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. I realized as I started, I didn't silence my cell phones. I don't know if you all, my, or my cell phone, I don't have multiple cell phones, but I'm going to silence it now <laughs> so that I, we don't get interrupted. Um, you're at home, so if your cell phone rings while you're at home, that's okay. <laughs> uh, but I, if it happens to me, I'll get distracted. All right, so we're at the very ending of this letter. This is, this is the goodbye. Goodbyes are a, a sad thing. Uh, sometimes goodbyes are, uh, I, I'm not speaking of the death of a loved one, but, but more along the lines of when you've come together, you've spent time with each other, and it's time uh, to, to depart. Um, I just, you know, last week I took Anna to the airport and, and the kids were asleep. It was early enough that I zipped down to the airport. I took her there and, you know, like saying goodbye is a little bit of a, a sad thing. And, and it's like, well, I'll see you in a week and have fun and, and sort of just the, the, the saying goodbye. And then a week later when we pick her up to the airport, it's like all the kids got out and we waited and, and it was just so much more enjoyable. And so Paul is separated from, these young believers in Thessalonica, he longs to be with them. He was ripped apart, and he's heard a good report about them and how they were doing and how they were walking with the Lord. And, and so he sends them this letter, and he said the things that he wants to communicate to, to them, the, the themes of uh, adversity or affliction and the advent of Christ, the longing for his return, and just the work that he was doing in, in their midst, even though they were suffering great persecution. He uh, would conclude the letter now, uh, sort of a, a prayer over them. And and we're going to, in two weeks, the first Sunday of the year, we're going to continue uh, for the month of January. It'll only take us one month to get through Second Thessalonians. Um, there's a six-month six month gap, they believe, between these two letters. And so, and then after that, we're going to go into the, the letter of Galatians. I think that's where we're heading right now, starting in February. Um, but F.F. Bruce describes this closing section as a sort of a, a short, a, a sort of prayer over them and a blessing over them for the saints in Thessalonica. And with that, let's get right into it. So verse 23, he says, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you in, entirely. And so the first two words, uh, now may the God of peace. So this is the, the prayer he's asking that God would do something. He 
He identifies God as the God of, of peace. Um, God is the one who brings us peace with himself through the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. And through our relationship with Jesus, we can, be at, we can be at peace with him. We can be at peace with the world. We can have comfort and security, even though the world around us is, is out of control. And so what he prays is that God himself, the God of peace himself, that he would sanctify you or y'all or them, and I would say that we could apply it to ourselves, that this, this prayer is that God would sanctify us entirely. This, this word sanctification or to sanctify is, is really a word that's been sort of repeated throughout Thessalonians. It's a, it's a theme. It's the, it, it means to be set apart specifically for God. It's, it's uh, to be consecrated for him, holiness. I've mentioned that, that olive dish that we have for our Spanish foods. It has the place for the olives and the place for the pits. Like It's a very uniquely designed dish with a very unique purpose. And so Paul prays that God would take these believers, that their lives would be set apart for God uh, to be used by him. And that, he, that we want, or I want this in our lives, I want this in your life. Um, this repeated theme, he begins sort of the theme of sanctification in chapter 4, the first eight verses. He spoke about uh, s- sexual purity or sexual sanctification being set apart in your a sexual life for for God um, in verses five through eleven, which really was two sections ago, but we looked at it last week uh, with John. I was a little bit out of order uh, just for Thanksgiving, and that section sort of describes the to be doctrinally and morally alert as they waited for Jesus. Sort of this uh, staying focused, staying uh, staying on track with Him. And then last week, last week's section, which I covered two weeks ago, sort of the the special thanks of the theme of Thanksgiving, there were these eight things that that Paul encouraged them and longed for them to do. And this, these were sort of the essentials of of the Christian life: um, to, to care for your leaders, to live at peace with one another, to admonish the unruly, to encourage the faint-hearted, to help the weak, to be patient with everyone, to seek after that which is good, to rejoice always, to pray without ceasing in everything, uh, to give thanks. And we're told that this is God's will in your life. And so these actions that he commanded, they, they in many respects are sort of the fruit of, of sanctification. A life that is sanctified for Jesus will manifest these things. And so the, it, it's overwhelming and so Paul's prayer is that the God of peace would work this out in their lives. We don't have the capacity uh, within our own nature uh, to, to do these things. This isn't something that we're trying to force externally to do, that this is the Spirit of God comes within us, and then uh, from the inside out, he begins to, to change us and to produce this, this fruit in our lives. And so as we... Uh, lean or abide in Christ, uh, this, this fruit begins to work itself out by his hand and his doing. So now may the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely, completely, fully, and may, so we have this, these two words again, sort of this, this continuing request of Paul, and may your spirit and soul and body, so this, the, 
the, the spirit and soul difficult to sort of like splice these apart. This is the, uh, the great theological debate between the, either the, the try, the, the, the try aspect of man or the dual aspect of man. Um, at a very minimum, I think we each can kind of understand the, the concept of the, the dual con, uh, the, like the dual nature of ourselves that we have our, our physical flesh body, but then within us there's more. And, and so Paul here uses spirit and soul within us that, that this, like the heart of this is that it's all that you are from like everything, your inside, your outside, everything about you. Um, he's asking, that it, that God would keep, or would you would be kept? Let me just read it. And may your spirit and soul and body be kept complete, without blame at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so he's asking that that he's trying to connect you to the sanctification process. That the all of you, your soul, mind, spirit, every like everything that you are, would be kept complete. And the kept complete. This is a request. This is a prayer of Paul that God would do this in your life. And so um, that, that as we approach the coming of the Lord, that we wouldn't shrink back in shame as, as the Apostle John writes in First, in First John. Uh, he talks about that, that we would abide in him so that when he appears, we won't shrink back in shame. Um, the, the theme of this letter, I've said it a bunch, that it's affliction and advent of Christ. And so here we see this, the advent, you know, in a couple of weeks, we're in the Christmas season where we celebrate the first advent of Christ and we reflect that he did come. And then we look forward to that he is going to return again. And so in the midst of their affliction, that they wouldn't be uh, like steered off course, that they would hold their course, that they would fight the good fight, that regardless of the affliction that they were facing in the midst of the temptation of the world, that they would hold course and that God would work in their lives and that they would be kept complete. This word complete could be defined as um, to to watch over something, uh, to to guard something, to to keep something. And so one, one guy says this, that it's uh, that God is keeping us connected to the sanctifying process in the midst of this this corrupt world, that God would keep uh, producing his fruit in our life. And he goes on to say, faithful is he who calls you, he also will do it. And so we see this, uh, the faithfulness of God. Uh, we're going to face temptations. We're going to stumble in this life. And when you stumble, God is going to be there to to pick you up. If you're in Christ, you've been forgiven for past, present, and future sins. God is there cheering you on, equipping you, helping you uh, to go the distance. He is, is, is faithful. He is reliable. And God will follow through with the work that he is doing in your life. Faithful is he who calls you. The Father has called you to himself. We have responded if you're in Christ, and he's faithful to keep you moving in this Christian life. It says, and he will do it. It reminds me of Paul writing to the Philippians, the the neighboring church of of Thessalonica, uh, where there's this great relationship between these two churches. And... And with Paul, his heart was with them. 
And in Philippians 1.6, as he opens that letter to them while he finds himself under arrest, he says, For I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. And so maybe there was some discouragement. Maybe you're discouraged in the midst of the coronavirus and sort of all of the, the things that we're, we're, we're going through. And, you know, there's, uh, what is it that they're saying? They're, they're talking about, uh, oh, I'm blanking on the, the word of um, just like the weariness of COVID and the, the, the sadness of, of, of how things are going. And it, it can be discouraging. And we're told here that if Jesus is indeed your Lord, regardless, or maybe even specifically through the circumstances that you're facing, that we are all facing, uh, he is at work in your life and he's using these things to mold you into his image, to, to create you into the image that he desires you to be like Jesus. And so we can have, we can have hope in the midst of this. As discouraging as it is, the word I was looking for was, was COVID fatigue. And I think that all of us are fatigued, regardless of where you are on the spectrum. Everybody is fatigued. Everybody is ready for this to be over. And in the midst of this, it's so easy to be discouraged. And yet, for those of us who know Christ, we have a God that's bigger than COVID. We have a God that's in control. We have a God that we can trust because we're told that he is faithful, he is reliable, uh, he has predestined us for this, this very time, for this very purpose. It's no accident that you find yourself where you find yourself. God is greater than COVID, he is greater than death. If you're in Christ, you are secure in him, and God is working, and he is working through this. He goes on to say in verse 25, brothers and sisters, uh, pray for us. And there's so much here. Uh, when I, uh, in our world today, it's people tend to be reserved and they, they're not as open as we probably should be. We're ten, we tend to be guarded a little bit about the things that we're going through. And so here, the Apostle Paul, he's, he's pleading with the church uh, to, to pray for him and the missionary team. And uh, as you're as a pastor here, I, you know, I I plead that you all would would pray for me. I I need prayer. There's a lot of demands on my life, and sort of needing wisdom to always navigate a church and to to lead a church, um, especially in the last what's it been like eight months that we've been going through the coronavirus. That so so I do appreciate your prayers. Uh, we should be praying for one another. We should be praying for the missionaries that we support. I am so thankful to to Faye and Melanie for producing the new uh, directories that that you can you can go through the directory and you can pray uh, for the people that you you see in the directory. Um, you can email the e newsletter or email Melanie, and you can let us know your your prayer requests that will go into the e-newsletter. And so that we as a church, that we would genuinely um, actively be praying for one another. Um, I'd like, if you're a guy on Wednesday mornings, we have the, the prayer time where the men gather and we, we go over the prayer list. 
we do a lot of uh, picking on one another for the first half of it, but the, the second half we, we all pray, and it's a wonderful time. And, and, and really, just at the Bible studies and just when we gather, at, you know, Sunday mornings there's prayer. Um, if you have a prayer request, let us know, and we will be praying for you. He goes on to say in verse 26, Greet all the brothers and sisters with a holy kiss. All right, you can go ahead and just look at the person next to you and you can go give them a kiss. That would be pretty funny. We don't, we don't really so much do the, the, the greetings with a kiss. Maybe a husband and wife do greet one another with a kiss. Um, in Spain, like, you know, going to Spain, I, I'm pretty sure it's all of, a lot of Europe, but in Spain in particular, our family is so fond of Spain because Anna grew up there and, and there when you, when, when you go to Spain, it's, that's how you greet everybody. I mean, it's, it's a, it's a, you kiss on the left and the right side of the cheek and it's just, uh, it's, it's, it's the culture. And I do think in the culture of this day, the way they, they greeted one another uh, was with a kiss, this, uh, this, this holy kiss. I think that there is, um, when, I, when I look at this in our culture today, like even in our culture, how do we greet one another? Sometimes the handshake, some of us are huggers. My, you know, my, um, my, my inclination is to hug people. And so during this time of COVID, it's just been, I don't know how you feel about it, but for me, it's really, really awkward when we see people that we know and love and, and you try to like reach out for a, a handshake or, or a hug. And sometimes, you know, you get this, this number and this, that number doesn't cut it for me. Like we're, we're, we've been created to, to desire and to need fellowship and, interaction with with one another and i think that this year of all years we've seen um how important uh fellowshipping is for one another for those of us who are, who are gathering here they're they're those that are gathered and meeting there it's hard to put into words how important that the connectedness to one another is um, if you're not meeting, I'm not, like, this isn't like a bashing on you. I'm certain that those who are staying away, that you're feeling the effects of not meeting and not being in community and this this longing from within you. Um, early in the lockdown, before things were released, we had an individual in our church who we were close to who is single and lives alone and and uh, they'd asked her, like, can I, is there any way I can come over and see you? And is there any way I could just give Ellie a hug? Like, it's a female, and they, they just really love Ellie, and they, they love her hugs. And after, like, three months, they were just dying. And we said, you know what, you can come over, and you can give Ellie a hug. And uh, this individual came over, and it was, like, tears in her eyes and just a long sort of embrace with my daughter. And it was just so needed and and we need this and so when i when i see this greet the brothers and sisters with a holy kiss what i what i see is the importance of relationships and that we as followers of christ we have been called to community we've been called to the gathering which uh, that is what the church is it's it's the gathering of of those who have been called to him and so we need to cultivate relationships and so if you're staying at home and you're keeping your distance, do what you can do to stay connected. That's why I said shoot an email, 
call somebody from the church, shoot me a text, email, stay stay connected as best as you can because God has created you uh, to need fellowship. Uh, he goes on to say in verse 27, I put you under an oath by the Lord to have this letter read to all the brothers and sisters. And so when we look at Thessalonians, Paul understood that, the, that this letter is the word of God, that as God uh, to by his spirit work through Paul to pen this letter. Paul understood that this was a letter that needed to to be read. Um, that this that the point of this is there is a charge for the church to to read to study uh, to to go through the word of God. That's what we do here. Um, I don't just come up with a bunch of stories and sort of. Uh, tell jokes uh, like I do like to have fun and I like to tell stories but I but I am restrained in this context to to keep it to the text if I tell a story or a joke it has to help illustrate and explain what the text actually says this is what we are to be doing as as a church and so I have really enjoyed uh, the simplicity of life during COVID as we've been wrestling through things and the government and, and, and how, how, do, how does this work itself out? Um, and, and really, like, churches become very simple. Like, like, what are the essentials to fulfill what the, the Bible commands? And so, one, we... We gather. I do believe the Bible has called us uh, to gather. We sing with one another. We've been called to do this in Scripture. We pray for one another and with one another. We study the Word of God. This is our guide, and we are so grounded to the Scriptures. It, it, it's, it is the focal point of what we do on Sunday and when we have gatherings uh, within the, the body. Uh, we fellowship and we serve one another in like worship of our creator. And so this is what the church is. And so he tells them, I put you under oath by the Lord. He's like, this isn't just Paul's request. Like, the church is to gather. The church is to go through the word of God. The church is to study these things and to apply these things and to put them into practice into their lives. And then he closes with, May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. God's grace is every, every, everything. This is unmerited favor. And Paul says that I pray for you in the affliction that you're going through. I pray that God's grace would abound in your lives individually and collectively. And that through the body of Christ there in Thessalonica, that God would be glorified. And so when I look at this last little section, I'm like, oh man, this is only... We have five little verses here. It's the it's the it's the the tail end. Like what do we what do we do with this passage? And when I look at this, just sort of now, may the that's just reading it over again. It says, "Now may the God of peace Himself sanctify you entirely, and may your spirit and soul and body be pres- preserved complete without blame at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Faithful is He who calls you, and He who will bring." It to pass. Brethren, pray for us. Greet all the brethren with a holy 
Tychicus, I adjure you by the Lord to have this letter read to all the brethren. The grace of our Lord Jesus be with you. And as I read this, I sort of picture him like a father, like over his children, sort of praying over them, uh, encouraging them, asking that God would do these things. As I sort of reflect on the the book of, of Thessalonians, I see this beautiful picture of God working in, in their their midst uh, through the affliction. And, and Paul encourages them in the midst of their affliction. He points them to look at Christ and to long for his return. Um, there's hope and encouragement um, that found in this letter that, that isn't swayed by the afflictions of this world and the, the, the rise and fall of the tide and the things that they're going through. It actually seems that God is using the afflictions to refine them and to make them more Christ-like. And I do believe that God is doing this in our very midst. I haven't had a chance to, to read the book yet. My wife and Grace have like been saying, Dad, you got to read this book. This is a book you have to recommend to the whole church. But Elizabeth Elliot, who is Jim Elliot's wife, Jim Elliot was a, the missionary pilot, I think it was in the 50s, down to the... Um, in South America, he was killed by uh, by a, a tribe down there, and and Elizabeth Elliot was his wife, and um, she just had a tremendous amount of suffering. And so she, there's a book that is sort of, um, I think it's a series of lectures that she gave, and the title of the book is "Suffering Is Never for Nothing." And so suffering is never for nothing. It only came out recently, like a couple years ago. And both like Anna and Grace, you know, my 14-year-old daughter, are just so impacted by this book. And they keep saying, Dad, you got to read this book. And so I'm like, okay, i got to read the book. So I haven't started yet. But I do think that there's, suffer- there's something about suffering, that, that God takes suffering and he does something through it. Like I've had a lot of suffering and I wouldn't trade it for the world. I'm so grateful for the suffering that I've gone through in my own life. Because God is able to work in the midst of suffering in a way that he can't during a, a, a season of feasting and, and just easiness. And so we started this letter of Thessalonians back in July. I found myself under a lot of pressure, a lot of uh, personal uh, sorrow and sadness. Um, that, that coronavirus, the, the unfortunate reality, has, has driven a wedge through a lot of people and individuals, not necessarily within our body, but, but some early on. And, and so there's just a lot of uh, hurt and, and, um, and sadness and, and just sort of navigating this. And so I turned to Thessalonians really as a, as a cry out to God to say, Lord, I, like, I need some encouragement. I need some help um, early uh, through this, you know, like talking to a lot of pastors, a lot there are a lot of guys that are like just ready to throw in the towel and and to walk away. And so, as we've gone through this letter, I do believe that I found so much encouragement. I hope you have been encouraged through this letter. Um, God has brought me relief in a number of different ways, but but something about Thessalonians that has just been like an ointment uh, to my soul uh, that's brought relief. And so as we conclude this letter, um, I, find, I really truly, at the end of it, if I came into this sort of uh, stressed out and agonizing over life and, and feeling 
a lot of pressure from COVID and navigating the things, I, I end this letter uh, at peace and relieved and truly, truly grateful for this season of COVID. I do believe our church, Grace Point Church, has grown through this, that we are stronger as a body of believers. We're more united. We're more focused on what our task is and what we are to do. We are resolved to, to press forward regardless of the persecution, regardless and I don't think there's been too much persecution, but affliction and and uh, challenges and sort of uh, worries about what we're to do or not to do. But I am confident that that we as a church are united, uh, keeping our eyes on Christ and understanding that this world may or may not disagree with us. Most likely this world will disagree with us about the conclusions that we reach, namely, in sort of uh, prioritizing the gathering and and meeting and saying, you know what, like we have been called to gather, we've been we've we've been called to worship, and so we we've really gone out of our ways to you know to provide videos and uh, like the videos of the sermons, an opportunity to gather safely and and sort of submitting ourselves to the law as best we can, or it's not even law the the guidelines that the governor has put out. Uh, but in the midst of this, God is working in ways that I am so tickled. We've had people come to Christ. We've had people's relationship with Christ really spark and catch on fire. Um, it's good for me to be, as a pastor, to be broken down, to be built up by our Father in heaven, to sort of give a fresh vision about what we're to be doing as a congregation. And so my prayer is that we would continue to lean on Jesus uh, regardless of what we're going through. I, I am thankful for these difficult times because it really helps us to focus on what the main things are. My prayer is that as we come out of COVID, that we would continue to lean into him and to be focused. Um, affliction and Advent. These are the two things that we find in Thessalonians. Um, th- there's going to be affliction in this world. There's going to be conflict in following Christ that we look to him knowing that he is our hope and that one day we will see him face to face and we will no longer have to uh, grapple with the things that we grapple with in this world. We'll be with him face to face. There will be no more sorrow. There'll be no more agony, no more tears, uh, just glory and to worship him. But as Paul said, that to be, you know, to be absent with the body is to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Um, and but in this life, like as long as we're here, we'll serve. We'll serve him. I totally butchered that, um, but it's in Second Corinthians chapter five, those first ten verses. You can find it there to read it accurately. And so I, I do hope that you have enjoyed Thessalonians. I am. Um, I'm looking forward to starting Second Thessalonians in a couple of weeks. Uh, the next two weeks, just really looking at the the, Christ, the, the Christmas story, followed by taking communion. Um, the next two weeks, I'm, I'm really, truly looking forward to, and I look forward to hearing from you. May God bless you and encourage you this week. Uh, let's pray. Father, we do thank you and praise you for this day. We thank you for your word. We ask that you would guide us now uh, as we go about our day today and go about this week. Father, we pray that you would help us to stay uh, focused on you. We pray that you would help us to lay our burdens at your cross, that we would... Um, 
trust you, Lord, and really know that our lives are in your hands and to not let our minds go wild. We pray, Father, that you would continue the work that you began in us and may we find peace in Christ. And it's in his name we pray, amen. All right, well, I look forward to seeing you next week. God bless you. Have a great day.